Ooh. I don't know if it's for being gone for three weeks or what, but I just told Trace you brought me to tears. I tearing up listening to that song, that Revelation song. I'm not going to make any promises. I don't know. I don't have any clue where the sermon's going to go today. I'm glad the kids are stuck in here. We're going to talk about some cool stuff. Uh, I have all these sermons that I had written uh, on on my notes uh, when I was in Alaska. I just got back at midnight or uh, I guess 11, 11 in the morning yesterday, running on zero sleep. Anybody that's done a red eye knows that it's painful. Um, I was on a moose hunt, and I was in some of the most remote land in the United States, uh, in Alaska. And, uh, the only place to get to where we were going is snowmobile or plane. Uh, there's no highways, no roads, no Uber. And I wasn't quite sure what to expect when I signed up for it. I, I was able through work to be able to have this opportunity. So I, I of course, Googled everything that I could think of and, and finally found the place. Uh, just for visitors here, this may be a sim- I don't know what the sermon is going to be like today, just so you know. I, I, it's going to be spirit-filled. I believe that. Uh, but uh, there's just so much in my head from that trip, and... I want to get it out. I, I wish I could explain to you how I feel and show you how I feel. That's my goal is like what the experience did for me to be away for that amount of time in, in some of God's just most remote, amazing country. And um, I Googled where we we're going to be, and there's this little lodge on the... So this may be a hunting story. It may not be a sermon. It may be a hunting story, but just you're going to have to bear with it. So we're on this little lodge on the Dillinger River Valley, and the Dillinger River runs right through there. And... We left from Willow, Alaska. We were supposed to fly out at Anchorage, but we couldn't because President Biden was coming in from somewhere, I think Vietnam, and instead of going to the first president in over 20 years to not go to one of the three sites, he decided to land in Anchorage. Um, I won't go there too much, but he landed in Anchorage, and instead Kamala Harris was in his place at, a, at one of the three sites from 9-11. So we had an air traffic control issue, and so we had to drive to Willow instead of Anchorage, and so we went from Willow, we jumped on this little plane called the Beaver, and we went from uh, Willow, Alaska, and we flew in through a pass of the Alaska Range, and we've got Denali on our right, and there's all these beautiful mountaintops, and we fly over and we land in the Dillinger River on a sandbar, and then I took all of the gear out, and then we jumped into, within an hour, I had jumped into a Cessna 180, and we jumped in the Cessna 180, and we flew about 35 minutes, uh, 35 miles, nautical miles away, and I landed on the uh, Tanzana River, and we landed on a shorter sandbar, uh, and unloaded the gear, and I was met by two guides there, and Thankfully, the gentleman that I was going with is a very, very mature, solid Christian man, and he and I had time to talk about it later over dinner when we got back, and just how amazing when we're flying over the mountains, how our minds automatically, we're just going to God's creation. We're going to how vast and how huge God's land is that he has created, he's spoken into existence. And so we're, we're flying over these mountains, and we're at, you know, it seems like we're at 14,000 feet, we're probably around that. Um, McKinley's, I think, or Denali's at 23,000, is that right, hon? 23,000 feet? 
So we're at 14,000 feet, we're flying, we're, we're even with the peaks, we're going through the pass, and later on we were talking about this over dinner, and the passage that came to mind to both of us, he's a very astute biblical scholar, was Romans chapter 1, verse 20. So Paul wrote this letter to the, to the church at Rome, and it simply says, for his invisible attributes, namely, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. So his divine power, his eternal nature, his divine nature, his eternal power, his invisible attributes are perceived or clearly seen, and the NIV says, from what has been made or what has been clearly seen. So I can look at these mountain passes and I can recognize the beauty and the, the amazing attributes of God the Creator. And if you look at a globe and you look at a universe or you look at a map or a picture of the universe, but if you look at just the globe of the U.S., we are a speck of sand flying through the Alaska Range on a beaver. We are a speck of sand in the Cessna 180 landing on this strip on the Tanzana River. And I'm thinking to myself, these guys that I'm with, this guide and this packer who had some religious background, as you can imagine, stuck in a tent with me for 10 days, we talked a lot of Bible, and we had a lot of great conversations about that stuff, just about God and religion and everything else. But I'm thinking, how can these people not recognize, because by some of the language of the other guides that I had talked to in that short hour at the lodge, you know these guys have zero reverence for God based on what they're doing before they come to the remote land and what they're looking forward to do as soon as they leave the remote land, you can know that there's not a reverence for God. And I think this Romans 1.20 just proves and shows you by what has been made that God is amazing and He loves us. So back to the, the, back to the hunt. So the next six and a half days I spent hiking. We took, a, uh, we took this little river boat which they had flown in. We took a river boat up about a mile and a half or a mile and then we got off on the other side of the shore, the other side of the river, and we hiked up. And I want you to picture a memory foam mattress that's 16 inches tall. A memory foam mattress, okay? And every so often, maybe every square foot or every other square foot, there's a hole, but there's no pattern to it. So you're walking on this memory foam mattress, but every now and again you'd slip off and you'd sink a little bit lower. That's what it's like hunting where we were at in Alaska. And so I've done 17-mile hikes on one day on a hunt. I've done 10, 12, many, many, many times, walking three to four miles, and that topography was the single hardest thing I've ever physically done at a consistent basis for nine days. It was just the most difficult. It was wet. It was cold. The wind was blowing. There was mosquitoes occasionally when it wasn't real cold. So when it wasn't cold, it was mosquitoes, so you're hoping for cold, but then you were wet, and so everything is damp at 90% humidity. You never dry out, and so your rain gear gets saturated by day two, so the water is soaking through your rain gear, and pretty soon it's soaking into your bones, and you are just constantly wet. Constantly. And all the while, you're carrying a pack, you're carrying a rifle, and you're walking like this, and you're stumbling through, and you just keep going, and we did this for six and a half days. And after six and a half days, the moose were not responding to the cow calls. Anybody know what a cow call sounds like? I don't either, because I didn't hear one. All I heard was the guy doing it. But it's a real high-pitched, whiny, like that. But you can go up to a minute long with them. 
if you're good. I could be like 10 seconds and start coughing. Or a bull, uh, a bull grunt is, and they just do this as they're walking. So you're calling, hoping that the cow comes, or hoping that the moose or the bull comes to the cow call. Well, they're not in the rut. It's like the light switches one day, and they get into the rut. They weren't in the rut for all of September, September 20th. And so we're sitting there, we're dry, we're trying to spot and stalk trees in nasty land that you can't see through. I mean, you, just, you can see as much as 20, 30 yards max. And so we're walking through, and all, we saw three bulls in three days. The next three and a half days, we see nothing. And we called an audible. We called the outfitter and said, can you fly us out of here and get us on a mountaintop where we can glass? Because they had like six camps throughout the area. He says, as soon as the weather breaks, I'm getting you out. So he flies in the next day when the weather breaks. He flies us to another mountain about 15 miles, 20 miles away, 25 miles away, called Blueberry. And so I'm sitting on Blueberry, and we get to this other place where we, we're, we're 2,500 feet above sea level, but it feels like we're at 14,000 feet because the peaks are like this. And so we hike up, and I'll show you pictures later at some point. We, you hike up this hill, and you get on this crest, and you're just walking over and over, and you're just glassing over 30 square miles, 20 square miles of some of the best land with a spotting scope. And we did that uh, for the next two days. And on the ninth day, at 6 o'clock, 5.30 p.m., of a 10-day hunt, I'm sitting on the edge of this cliff, and I'm looking over the Dillinger River Basin, and I begin to do a selfie video to my family, and I got done with that, and I sat there, and this song popped into my head, Therese, and it was, there is power in the name of Jesus, and it just kept, I kept singing it in my head, and for nine days, I had been wanting so bad to harvest a moose, something that's been on my bucket list for a long time, and I, I hadn't prayed about it, I hadn't prayed about this, so I prayed about it, and I said, God, there's power in the name of Jesus, and I am asking you, in the name of Jesus, if you will give me an opportunity to harvest a moose so I can feed church family, so I can provide food for my family. I said, not for my glory. I even prayed specifically that my bull, if, I had, if God presented the opportunity, was a half inch smaller than Titus's from two years ago. I prayed, I said, I don't want it to be bigger than his. We'll get some more of that later. I don't want it to be. I said, I want to be able to feed my family. Whoever wants to come process, meet with us in a week and a half or so, you, to bring a cooler. Take it. Take it. That was my prayer. God, let it happen in the name of Jesus. And as I sat there, and I got done praying, a little bit before that, I was, I was processing the, the nine days, and I thought of all of the things that I was grateful for of that trip. And I realized throughout the miserable experience that most of you women are going, what a nutcase to, to do something like that. I spent nine days smiling. There was, not, there was not five seconds of that entire first nine days that I was not happy, that I didn't have joy, that I wasn't grateful, that I wasn't just going, this is awesome. I'm cold, I'm wet, my bones hurt, my back hurts, every part of my body, I have muscles that didn't know existed because you're using different angles, and I didn't have a single bad thought for nine straight days. 
And I begin to wonder why. And I remember the Romans 1.20 that says his divine attributes, his eternal power is made known by what we can clearly see. And I begin to think of all of the things that I had experienced in nine days to make me feel like this is the, one of the best experiences of my entire life. And I can remember walking on the first six and a half days and feeling completely miserable and in pain and smiling because I would come up to a blueberry bush on the side of a hill and I would lean down and I would pick wild blueberries and I would just eat them. I would just eat them and I'd say, God, thanks for those that shot of antioxidants. My wife's like always hunting for organic berries. I'm like, I found the mother load. And I'm eating these organic berries and I can just feel like a shot of power. every. T- I'm not kidding you. I felt a shot of power every time I ate one of these berries. And I was just continuing to eat these berries. And I'm like, thank you, God, for the good berries. The God berries is what I was calling them by the end of the trip. And then... A little while later, I was thinking about how the, the life cycle of a moose is like these male moose, these bulls, are friends. They're friends for like 11 months. And then something clicks, and they want to kill each other for four weeks so that they can procreate per design of God so that the moose population continues. And then a month after, they get done with that, and they procreate and they leave the cows, they see each other, and boost number one, bull number one's like, man, I'm, I'm really sorry about what I did last week, Dad. Like, I didn't mean to gore you with my antler and stick one of my tines into your breastplate, but you saw her. I'm like, you get it. And the other movie's like, yeah, I, I'm going to get you next year, though, buddy. Let's go, let's go find something to eat. It's like God's creation is so amazing that I'm thinking of this stuff and I'm thinking this is what God has done. And it's all in his perfect timing and order. And then I was thinking, I saw a wolverine for the first time. I'm sitting on a side hill and I see something move, a plane goes over and a wolverine, I'm like, is that a bear? No, that's not a bear. Spotting scope. That's a wolverine. They'd been talking about it earlier and I, I saw a wolverine. And did you know porcupines can swim? I didn't. I thought beaver, I know beavers swam. I saw a beaver lodge that was bigger than this church building that had probably been built for the last six, 7,000 years or whatever. It's just huge. And they're flapping. I saw a porcupine. I stopped at a beaver pond and I'm watching something on the side and something pops out and I'm like, it's a porcupine, a big porcupine. And he starts swimming. He gets down, he starts patting the water, gets down, fills the ground, gets in the water and he starts swimming, kind of buoyant on the back. He starts swimming across the beaver pond. And I thought, wow, God, that's why you made those quills hollow. So they could float. So they could swim across the beaver pond. Um, I saw a, a blonde-colored grizzly bear from the sky that looked like just a dirty polar bear. And it was running because of the plane. They were like, hey, bear, go down lower. And they're you know, a couple hundred feet above it, and that bear's just running, and it's just this big white-colored grizzly bear. I saw a black bear, the biggest black bear I've ever seen. I've got him on video, flipping over rocks, eating grubs, and, and picking blueberries off a side hill. Um, I heard a pack of wolves. I've heard it on a Disney. But I'm sitting there walking through the woods, and I hear a wolf howl. 
And then an hour later, I heard six or seven. They had gotten together. They had gotten their kill. And I'm three miles away from a pack of wolves howling. And I was sitting on that hillside, and I think of all the work stuff that we all deal with, the life stuff that we all deal with. And I thought, for nine days, I've been physically miserable, and I've been smiling for nine straight days. And what kept me smiling was to constantly look at God's creation and just go, this is amazing. I've got no cell phone coverage. I've got no service. I've got no distractions. I just, I'm looking at what God has done. I was counting these observations. I was counting these blessings. It's not my notes, but I've got time to say it. I prayed that prayer, and I meant it, and I believed it. There's power in the name of Jesus. And five minutes after, Five, this is what you're talking about. We, what, what do you, you call them? A, 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 a testimony. Peg's like, we got to do testimonies. You're right, we need to bring those back. Where we do testimonies. I'm sitting on the edge of this cliff and I pray that prayer and I meant it from the depths of my soul and I believed it was going to be true. Without a shadow of a doubt, I'm like, yep, I'm shooting a moose tomorrow because I just prayed in the name of Jesus and I don't have any doubt whatsoever. And I've seen three moose in nine days, and two of them were legal. I hadn't seen one in six days that was legal. Five minutes later, my guy Justin pops over the hill. Nate, Christian guy, believer, most awesome guy, one of the most awesome guys, the most humble with a combination of confident men I've ever met. Humble, confident man, just an awesome guy. So he's like, Nate, I found your bull. No, I found our bull. That's how the guy, I found our bull. He pops over, look, and I go, that's a big bull. He says, that, that's a booner. That's a booner. That's a booner. So, all right, can we go get him right now? It's 6 o'clock. 8.30 is when shooting light's over. Can we go get him now? He's like, this guy has a gait like Brian Bray and Treese, just like long, and every two steps is one of theirs, and I'm keeping up with him for nine days, and I'm like, I've got to, sh- I just, we'll grab some blueberries on the way, get a shot of adrenaline, we're good to go, can we go get, he's like, physically, I don't think it's possible we cover the two to three miles to get there, let's pin him right now, try and get him tomorrow morning, done, I'll shoot him tomorrow, that's what I prayed for, so the next morning, get up at four in the morning, five o'clock, get in the Argo, we go the hour in an Argo, which is like a, a mini tank, and we get to where we're going, we hike an hour and a half through the, all hour and 15 minutes through the alders, I got hit in the face more than I did growing up with alders just whacking me, you know, and, and he's starting, he's like, man, this is getting thick. It's getting thicker. I'm like, I think we get through this bed. We get through this bench. We get on the side hill, 7.15. I'm fumbling for my binos. Justin goes like this, sits down and goes, got your bowl. Let's go. 1,200 yards. We got to go right now. We, let's go. Let's roll. I threw my binos back in. And we basically sprinted 1,200 yards down this hill as fast as we could, me trying to keep up with him. Get to the bull, set it on the tripod, go to put my bolt in. I got him in my scope. For you anti-hunters, I'm sorry, talk to me later, and we'll talk about how good hunting is. So I pull the bolt, and I can't pull the bolt out of my, 
can't rack around. You've got to be kidding me. This bull's 450 yards in front of me, broadside, and I can't rack around him. I'm pulling my bolt as hard as I can. I'm ready to hit it with whatever I've got. And I, I hear something say, calm down. So I look down, and my scope cover flipped open and jammed into underneath the bolt, and I chuckled. I lit, racked around. All right, we're good to go. Get him in my scope. I've got him there. I'm like, you boys ready? He's like, we got him ready. I've got, we got it all on video. You ready? We're ready. <sighs> Click. What in the world? <laughs> dry fire. First time that gun's ever dry fired. I've had it for four years. It's never dry fired. And I looked at him, and they go, what happened? I said, I didn't flinch. You ready? <laughs> for those of you who hunt, sometimes when you shoot, you, you instinctively flinch, anticipating the kick. It was God saying, I'm going to calm you down because you're so amped up right now. I'm going to let you dry fire. And it created a calmness over me. Rounded. Boom. Five hours later, I was carrying the heaviest pack of meat I've ever carried in my entire life, a mile and a quarter down to the river. So, God answers prayer, but that wasn't the point of my sermon. I just wanted to tell that story real quick. Every night, I would go back to my tent, and I was with a vile person, a young kid that's got a long way to go in life, and Justin, uh, the guide, who is a God-fearing man. And I begin to think about that passage about Romans 1.20 and all of the, all of the uh, scripture or all of the proof of his existence by what we see. But there's, I started reading in, uh, in the Psalms. I was reading the Psalms, laying on my cot, and the, the young kids watching downloaded TV, and I was like, oh my gosh. He had earbuds in, thankfully. We're in the middle of nowhere. And I was thinking of everything that we see and what God says about himself and what David says about God in this 121st Psalm. There's only a few passages today, so I didn't take notes. You guys can either write them down or ask me for them later. The 121st Psalm, it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and earth. God, I want to provide good fare for my church family that wants it. For my family that wants it. Where does my help come from? It comes from God. It comes from God. I, I see these, these other men that I was around on this hunting trip that were so distant and so far from acknowledging the creator of the universe. And Romans says that these, these men are without excuse. You, you cannot look at what he's done and not acknowledge his existence. You, you can't look up to the hills and not acknowledge that our help comes from God. It says in, in Hebrews, it says that, that we build a house. Oh, let me, I don't want to misquote it, sorry. I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 3. It says, 
For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Every house, this church, this bricks and mortar was built by some, someone, a group of people. But it says here that all things God is the builder of. And if you fly over the tundra, the creeks, the rivers, the ore running through the water, if you, if you look at McKinley or all the other mountains around it, and you see the snow-capped mountains and the rocks, and then you land on a sandbar and you, and you know that the salmon are running up the river to go back home, and that there's Dolly Varden in the rivers, and then there's blueberries, and there's birch trees, and that there's, there's caribou moss that you can literally eat and survive on. God gave that to us. That's how much He loves you. Think about that. We don't need dominoes. We don't need city market. This, these are man-made locations and inventions to make things easier, which they're good sometimes. But God created, His creation says, I will provide for you. I will provide for you. Nine or ten straight days of acknowledging His existence and praying to Him. And, and my prayer was never, other than that last, Lord, I'm asking You for an opportunity. I didn't say, I want to kill one. I said, I'm looking for an opportunity to harvest a moose up here in Alaska. That's what I'm asking, I'm asking You. But nine or ten days of my prayer was this. God, You are Amazing. You are awesome. Everything you do, everything you touch, everything you breathe is, is it's next level. It's just next level. And I remember I'd go back to my tent every night and I'd read, I'd read Psalms. I'm gonna switch topics, but I don't think so. I would read the Psalms and I said, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna read. I I you guys, I've been told I talk fast. I don't think it's true, but the majority of you say that I read fast or I talk fast. So I said, I'm going to read slow. I'm going to read Psalm 1, 1 through whatever. I'm just going to read slow. And I'm going to really focus. And I read sometimes and I forgot what I just read and then I just keep going. So I'm like, ah, I checked the box. I read it. That's not what I did this time. I said, I'm going to read it. I'm going to look at every word and I'm going to, I'm going to contemplate it. And until I get it, I'm not going to move on. And I went through 17 psalms. And the one that resonated with me personally the most was the 15th psalm. I read the 15th psalm about 15 times. And it says, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? That word sojourn means to enter or abide. Who shall abide or enter your tent, your tabernacle, your holy place, your temple? And then he answers his question. He said, I want you to think about this, every one of you. Who shall reside in the temple of God? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. 
who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile or a morally despicable person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocents. Innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. They shall never stumble. They shall be secure. They shall never be shaken. I read that 15th Psalm, and I've read it before. And when I used to read that, up until about three days ago, four days ago when it hit me, I used to read that and think, there's nobody that can do this. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need the sacrifice of Jesus. That, was been my, that has been my understanding of the 15th Psalm for a long time. And then I read it again, and it said, I can walk blamelessly. I can do what is right. I can speak truth in my heart. I cannot slander with my tongue. I don't have to do evil to my neighbor. I go through this list in the 15th Psalm, and I go, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I can be this man. You can be this man. You can be this woman. This is attainable with God. This is attainable with the help of the Holy Spirit. And as I'm reading this 15th Psalm, and I'm just at this total inner peace, and I'm listening to these guys talk about the ways of the world and what they're doing, what they're wanting to do, and I'm just going, they are missing the most beautiful gift that God has given us. Unless I go away, I can't send the Spirit to help guide you. I can't. I've got to go away. It's for your good that I'm going away. Because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to guide you into a place that you want to be. It was the most amazing 10-day spiritual journey that I've had maybe ever. And it started with blueberries. I'm serious. It started with me going, man, I'm tuckered out. Boost. A boost. I can keep going. I can keep going. And I'm going to keep, man, God, you are awesome. This is great. Nine straight days of that. God encouraged me so much with this passage. My encouragement for each, each of you this morning. Ryan, Rachel, every Bryce, every one of you guys, every single one of you, Titus, Jonas, every Evelyn, every one of you is to read that 15th Psalm and go, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this one thing here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Jesus, I'm going to conquer that one. I'm going to beat that one. God's going to help me beat that one right there. 
And when you get to the end of your walk, when you meet the King of Kings, and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, you will be at a place where you can look at this and say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for helping me get to where I didn't think I could get. But I know I can because of what you've done. So that's my encouragement is the 15th Psalm. Look at it and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become the 15th Psalm. I'm going to walk blamelessly. It can be done. It can be done. I'm going to walk blamelessly. I'm going to walk upright. I'm going to speak nothing but truth in my heart. It's awesome when you're in a situation when you have the world trying to pull you back into it with all these, you know, men's men, you know, hunter guys, and then you go, hey, what's with the, what's with Andrew? He seemed a little different. Andrew's the pilot that flew me out onto the sandbar the second time. And later on, what's with Andrew? They go, Andrew's awesome. Well, tell me why he's awesome. He's just kind of like different from the rest of us. Every morning, he starts to fire at the lodge, and when the guys come out, he's sitting there reading his Bible next to the fire. Andrew. I was so inspired by Andrew. I looked at Andrew, and I thought, that's a man's man. That is a man's man. He's amongst 15 mostly vile human beings. And Andrew's sitting by the fire reading his Bible, and every single one of those guys looked up to him. A man after God's own heart. It's awesome. Would you pray with me before we uh, take communion together? Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for being who you are. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for, thank you for bringing me home safely to my family, this church body. Thank you for blueberries. Thank you for the 15th Psalm. God, you are, you are awesome. Father, help us be a light on a hill so people that need you recognize it and start seeking you. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.